This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. We understand that the journey as a supporter isn't always smooth sailing, but rest assured you're not alone. There's a vast network of fellow fans who share your passion and may be experiencing similar challenges. Honesty is key in any relationship. If your friend asks you how you are feeling, tell them honestly. If you're going through a difficult time, let them know. Opening up about how you are feeling can really make a difference. After all, they are your mates for a reason. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Welcome to the latest episode of Total Saints Podcast, where you'll hopefully be getting your kicks from TSP 66. This is the dedicated weekly podcast going to the heart of Saints FC. Talking of weeks, Adam, I imagine it's been a, a pretty busy one with three games and uh, the holidays of distant memory. Yeah, what holiday, hey? It's always the same, isn't it? You must but be it's... doing another one. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I think I might have to wait a little. I've got to save some money first before I can go on holiday again. So not any time probably for about another six or nine months I don't think yeah and uh, we'll come on to talk about it all Steve but a typical Saints week really in the life of a fan sort of ups and downs and a bit of everything in between yeah it's been well never a dull moment is it Mm. um but ultimately I think if you'd if you'd offered most people um start of the week three points from from Fulham and Man United and being out of the bottom three I think I think most of us would have taken it, wouldn't we? Absolutely, absolutely. So this episode will uh, see us reflect on the uh, the win that Steve just mentions against Fulham, and also the uh, I've put a heartbreak in here. Maybe it wasn't heartbreaking, but certainly very disappointing loss at Manchester United. We'll also look ahead to the visit of uh, former Saint Maurizio Pochettino and his Tottenham side next weekend in the Premier League. Sandwiched in the middle of all that is our latest Total Recall, where Will and Leon from the SaintsArchive.com join me to recall the last ever competitive game at the Dow. It's of course the famous. 3-2 win over Arsenal when a certain legendary state helped the club sign off in a very special way. So this is TSP 66 in partnership with saintsarchive.com and saintsworld.co.uk and of course sponsored by happyhottubs.co.uk happyhottubs.co.uk At Happy Hot Tubs we specialise in hot tubs. It's all we've done for 35 years. So if you're thinking about a hot tub and want to speak to someone then we're the place for honest, clear and friendly advice. Plus, right now we have 0% available on our hot tubs, meaning you can spread the cost in easy payments. 
You deserve happy. Come and get it at Happy Hot Tubs. Conditions apply. Visit happyhottubs.co.uk happyhottubs.co.uk 0% excludes free throw range. Saints have had two games this past week, firstly overcoming Fulham 2-0 in the must-win home game on Wednesday before travelling up to Old Trafford where Saints put in a fantastic performance but sadly came away with nothing. Focusing briefly on the uh, Fulham game then, Adam, I guess job done, that was the most important thing. Yeah, that's all the mad, wasn't it, was getting uh, three points on the board that night. That was That was kind of it. Let's be honest, it wasn't an amazing performance and I think probably... I was a little bit surprised as to exactly how Saints went about it. It was a more uh, negative performance, if you like, than I had expected them to produce. I guess you could describe it as patient as well. But it proved to be absolutely spot on. So you've got to give Ralph credit. I mean, he uh, I'd obviously seen Fulham a lot more than I had. and we, we spoke in the build-up about I'd obviously spoken to some other journalists who'd seen a lot of Fulham. Yeah. Um, and who had said that this lot are absolutely, totally abysmal. And goodness me, they weren't wrong. Oh, my goodness. How terrible were Fulham? I mean, they were absolutely woeful. I mean, they put up no fight. There was no real semblance of concern, really, for any point in time that they were going to get anything from that game. I mean, yep. Saints kind of set up. Um, I mean, they allowed Fulham 60-odd percent possession. I mean, Saints at home to the team's second bottom, who have only, you know, won a handful of games, basically played kind of the system you'd expect them to sort of play against Man City for a lot of the game. Well, I think um, they saw, didn't they have, Saints had 36% possession at half-time and they were 2-0 up, which is normally yeah. the other way around. We're normally 2-0 down having 64% possession. Yeah, absolutely. But, I mean, it, it worked. I mean, he, he obviously banked on, uh, partly on Fulham being shambolic and being defensively terrible and you know the fact that they would make mistakes so it was almost like well we will set up in a way that we will not make mistakes we will keep a clean sheet and i am gambling that if we keep a clean sheet they won't because they're awful and it didn't make for a great game it didn't make for a massively uplifting performance um but really in that game all that mattered was the result and it turned out the tactics were right because a solid 2-0 win very few moments of concern from the moment the first whistle went to the moment the last whistle went yep. um, and and job emphatically done. So you, you can only praise Harsen Hootel and the players for, for a job well done at a time when, let's be honest, uh, the result was much more important than, than any performance um, that they might put in. Steve, I think there were a lot of comments around about the fact that, uh, you know, we shouldn't get too excited because, as Asm says, Fulham were so poor. And, of course, they sat Ranieri the day afterwards. Uh, slightly weird. Uh, I'm not sure if there's too many instances where a manager has his first game in one season against uh, Southampton and then uh, his last game against Southampton. But I guess you can only beat what's in front of you, can't you? And history tells us that Saints normally have a problem trying to overcome some of these lesser sides. So, um, as Adam said, the most important thing is that they got the job done and, you know, we would have taken that three points um, any point in the season. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think it's obviously worth pointing out that, I mean, obviously Fulham's defence is just an absolute shambles. The lack of organisation there. And what our problem has been historically is breaking down teams that are well organised. And Fulham just aren't well organised. Mm. Um, I mean, they had Dennis Adoy playing as a right back, and he's a dreadful centre back and just isn't a full back in any way, shape or form. And I couldn't believe that their system basically... Um, seemed entirely designed on giving us the freedom of the left flank, given that Bertrand and uh, Redmond like combining down that flank. Mm. And, I mean, anybody who's watched us on a regular basis over the last couple of years 
will have seen that we use that side much more often than we than we use the right uh, the right hand side. Mm. And to give us basically carte blanche to run at them as as much as we wanted down that side seemed absolutely baffling. Ultimately, Ranieri just lost the plot, I think. And you, of course, mentioned in the last episode your uh, inside knowledge that there was a, a good chance that if Ranieri did lose the game, he was going to get sacked. I think Archie had mentioned it to you. So uh, obviously that came true as well. So probably no surprise. Yeah, I don't, I don't think anybody would have been surprised. Fulham's fan base isn't known as particularly confrontational um, set of fans, and yet they were very angry on Wednesday night. Mm. And it, take, it takes something special to get that lot um, wound up like that. Um, so I think realistically there was only one, only one real decision they could make. Yeah. Moving on to Manchester United then, Adam. Um, of course, that's happened this weekend. Um, talk us through your sort of emotions and reactions to... I used the word heartbreaking earlier. Gutting is probably another word. Three-two loss. Yeah, and I think it's I think it's fair to describe it as that. Really, let's put it this way: I've come away with with sort of mixed emotions from the from the, like the literal game itself. Yeah, really gutted for them because they put in so much. They worked really hard, um, played with no little skill, desire. It was like um, the performance kind of was everything that the Fulham performance wasn't in that respect, if you know what I mean. Um, they pushed United so hard. I mean, it was, first and foremost, I'm kind of grateful that after, you know, I can barely remember the last time Saints were in a game that was really a, just a great game of football. And you come away and you go, well, no matter what the result, that that was just a really enjoyable football match, a bit of everything in it. Um, so, yeah, for Saints to be involved in one of those again, and we have, I can't barely think of one for a year or two, mm. um, is really nice um, in itself. And the fact they competed with a very, very good team. Yes, United had a lot of injuries. Yeah, of course they did. We know that that wasn't, you know, the first United team, as it were. But they were still chocked full of top quality, expensively assembled players. Yeah. And Saints gave them a real game. And on another day... Um, with kind of refereeing decisions going their way, um, perhaps with a little bit of good fortune, then they would have come away with at least a point and maybe even more. So loads and loads of positives there to take forward. If they play anything like that for the remainder of the season, they will not go down. Mm-hmm. Um, simple as that. Uh, so real positives there, even though it was a fairly disappointing defeat. And just to pick up in the wider context of what Steve said absolutely the big positive of course is we remain outside of the bottom three as it stands going into the Tottenham game that's a huge weekend for me this Mm. is a huge weekend if Saints come through the Tottenham game either by you know their own ventures or the ineptitude of Cardiff outside of the bottom three then you know I'm pretty much ready to call it that they're going to stay up because I think the, the, the kind of I'm, I'm really confident if they slip into the bottom three after Tottenham, then they've got a much tougher task to stay mm. up. I mm. think simply because you've got the three week break, you've got all that pressure going into Brighton. And then if that doesn't go well, you've got Liverpool. Suddenly you've got six games left to go. Mm. Um, that would be really tough. So it kind of feels like it's sort of pivotal. But the fact that they lost at United, despite the performance, um, but. Again, still two points ahead of Cardiff, but with a much, you know, Saints having one of their toughest games chalked off now. That's gone. Don't have to play that one again. Only two top six teams left to play in the last nine now. So even though a defeat and a bit gutting, a really positive weekend for Saints, I think, in so many respects, not least their own efforts, even though they went unrewarded. 
I've got to say, looking at Carlos running, uh, I think is uh, you know it's a bold statement probably from all of us. But I think if uh, West Ham can do us a favour next weekend, then I uh, agree with you because I think uh, Carlos run actually on reflection looks hideous. But uh, there we go. Um, all three of us, Steve, were fairly pessimistic about our predictions before uh, obviously it was offline because we didn't do a podcast but it was certainly not the case in terms of the scoreline in the end I think you know fantastic effort by Saints and uh, as Adam says there and I think you know Hasenhutl was pleased but disappointed came away with our credit and hopefully some belief because I think there were some fantastic individual performances yeah I mean it's kind of one of those sort of glorious defeat mm. uh, games isn't it but um, yeah I mean, frustrating the way it came about albeit ironically predictable both in terms of United getting a late winner against us yep. and Romelu Lukaku obviously scoring. So that's yep. nine Premier League goals he scored against us now in 11 games, I think. I'd, I'd written down here, Steve, five things guaranteed in life. Obviously, I know it's normally three, but death, taxes, United coming back to beat us, Lukaku scoring against us, and the last one, which we'll come on to, is dreadful officiating at Old Trafford if you're the away side. Well, Stuart Atwell, quite how he's on the Premier League list, I've no idea. Mm. Um, I mean... This is a referee who gave a goal for the ball going out of play for a goal kick 10 yards to the side of the goal. Um, And it's like, why did you not retire at that point? Mm. Um, I mean, the the bloke's just useless. Absolutely useless. I cannot remember a single game that that I've seen that he's been refereeing where there hasn't been at least one very blatant big decision that he's got wrong. And yet somehow he's still being given these big games. How is that? allowed to happen other than the fact that the rest of the guys are equally as inept well I think that's the probably the reason behind it Adam I'm reluctant to waste too much energy on him but uh, we I was going to bring him up at the end but now that we're talking about him just briefly what you were obviously there you were watching I mean I know there's a few incidents both ways some that debatable some that are stonewall but what did you make of his uh, performance in general well, I thought he was dreadful <laughs> absolutely <laughs> dreadful yeah. I mean it wasn't uh, obviously on on TV you see you know the penalty appeals, um, the the offside, and and the penalty that was given, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, of which, like you said, some are debatable, some are not. But even going away from that for a moment, just his all-round performance, take away the big incidents, was awful. Mm. I mean, he got so much wrong. You couldn't. I know a lot. Of, I've heard a lot of people sort of giving it the, oh, you know, the the typical bias to the big six, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And yeah, we know it's difficult to get decisions at Old Trafford and when you go places like that, but. In general play, there was no hint of bias. It was just ineptitude. I mean, it was just, it was awful. I mean, he got so many, for me anyway, I know it's a matter of opinion, but Mm. for me, so many of like the 50-50 decisions just wrong. Mm. Um, Missed things all the time, was inconsistent. Yeah, just generally a very poor performance I thought really you know to get a game that good deserved better I think yeah well let's get back to talking about the positives because they're much more important so the first goal then Steve um, starting with uh, Jan Valery's strike wonderful goal for his first one for, for Saints and um, yeah I think probably ripped a hole in the net yeah I don't think anybody saw that one coming no. must be said not, uh, not C- least certainly not David De Gea really. yeah I think that's that's a culmination of what we what we spoke about last weekend in that now that he's established himself in the team he's now growing in confidence and being able to express himself at the other end of the pitch as well. Mm, mm. Um, I mean, obviously he's still got plenty to work on. He's only 20 years old and has played, what, 20-odd first team games. But for him to have the confidence to just run up to it and just put his foot through it, um, when a lot of players would have taken the touch, tried to play it inside to to a more experienced player or look for the cross in for Charlie Austin, perhaps... um, 
credit to him for being brave enough to have a go. He's come a long way, hasn't he, since that? You, you think of that first Cardiff game uh, under Hasenhutl when uh, he got turned inside out and taken off at half-time. It's, uh, you know, certainly don't want to put the mockers on him, but it's been quite a, a turnaround. And as you say, I mean, he's probably one of the first names on the team sheet these days. Well, yeah, I mean, part, partly because we don't have another right back. But um... <laughs> Yeah, but I guess you could say he forced the other one out, didn't he? I mean, Hasenhutl yes. obviously had confidence yeah. in him that he, he was willing to let Cedric go. So, yeah. Yeah, that's true. And I mean, let's face it, Cedric's performances didn't really justify him being automatically coming straight back into the side. Mm. That's one of those one of those decisions that I mean, ultimately, you could end up looking like an absolute mug. Mm. But it's um, no, it seems to have come up trumps so far. Yeah, and uh, of course, the other young player that's doing really, really well this season, Adam, apart from Nathan Redmond, is uh, James Ward-Prowse. Um, fantastic free kick from him. That's two goals for the week. That's taken him up to five Premier League goals this season now, which is his best ever campaign. Um, just before we talk about Hasenhutl's influence on him, Adam, just uh, a word for Prowse. There's a lot of chat around an England recall and that sort of thing. I mean, he's, he's certainly on the right way to going about that. Yeah, and, and obviously he has the uh, great bonus that we know that Gareth Southgate really likes him, having yeah. managed him at, at youth levels uh, for the England um, setup. So I think he's got every chance of getting in. I mean, it's only five goals, Premier League goals for the season. That's five in his last eight Premier League matches. I mean, that is kind of run that that Saints' strikers can only dream of. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So. Um, yeah, I mean that is that is one slight concern still that they're so reliant on other players, i.e., not strikers for goals. That Ralph has now started saying that he doesn't expect strikers to score goals. It's a man. <laughs> it's uh, just trying to take the pressure off them. Weird but, how it's gone full circle. Well, I was like going to say it's it? funny, isn't it? Because we spoke a lot, you know, particularly last season. I remember you and I talking about we were relying on strikers. The midfielders weren't scoring enough goals. You know, Tadic wasn't scoring enough goals. Those sort of players. And it, as Steve says, it's kind of gone full circle now. Yeah, well, completely has. Even Oriol um, Romeo scoring goals. Yeah, they're, they're <laughs> totally reliant on on the other players to score goals. Um, I think Saints would be uh, desperately keen to see a bit more contribution from set pieces, especially mm. from Vestergaard. They 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 had high hopes, um, no pun intended, when they brought in a guy who's six 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 seven that he would you know be delivering some fairly regular uh, goals from from set pieces we and, missed that uh, sitter didn't he yesterday mm, mm. yeah and that sort of sums him up in the in the penalty area he's he's not really thus far been very good in the opposition penalty area um but anyway they've become completely reliant on goals from elsewhere with with ings being injured and obviously austin and and uh, unable to to score uh, like he has done previously long Again, interestingly, for United, out of the 18, again, mm. um, having played half an hour against Fulham as well, albeit not very successfully. Yeah, and obviously Gallagher didn't really get a meaningful run again. So they really are reliant on these other guys to contribute goals. And it's really, it is great to see because you, know, you felt like the focus was all on Redmond to have to do it. You know, Armstrong d- delivered a few earlier in the season, but seems to really, really be struggling um, now for form um, and uh, and a place in the team under Hasenhutl. So yeah, Ward Prowse delivering like he is 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 fantastic and great reward for Saints as well. You know, you get the impression it's what they've desperately wanted for so many years is to have another really successful academy product and they have stuck by Ward Prowse in a way that I don't honestly believe they would have done had he not been an academy player mm. had he been a player that had been signed um even if it was signed at you know 16 like say an obafemi or, or valerie sort of type not as an eight-year-old i mean 
um, and coming all the way through. I actually don't know that they'd have had the patience to stick with him like they have, but they have. And uh, it's really paid dividends. And obviously the biggest thing, the most for, for War Prowse has been that A, Harsen Hootel's belief in him and B, the fact that Harsen Hootel has found a position for him. And we've talked about this so often that he's just one of these guys. He's just never had a position mm. at all. He's never he's just never quite fitted in anywhere. And Harsen Hootel's found a position for him. He's found a way for him to to be able to. Uh, kind of express himself and play he's given him a lot of belief he's also i think been quite blunt about the things he needs to improve with as is ralph's way and war prowse has just totally stepped up to the mark and and has delivered and i think it's i get the sense it's probably that's probably one of the most pleasing things about the whole of this season so far for for those behind the scenes at saints because it's what they've wanted to happen for so so long Steve, we um, we know he's able to take a, a free kick. He's done that for a long time, and it was a you know a belter that went into the goal. I think the other thing that's impressed many of us is, again, his energy is something that we know he's had. But I, th- I forget which goal. I think it was the second goal during the week. You know, it was a crunching tackle from him uh, on the halfway line that started that that move for the second goal. Went back to the goalkeeper, obviously, um, you know, kicked out of the pitch, and then we scored the second goal from that, which again was him running through. But um, you know, Hasenhutl deserves a lot of credit because Saints have been under a lot of pressure, and he, you know, he's made it quite clear early doors that he was going to play the young players. But again, the likes of Redmond, the likes of Valerie Prousey, particularly, you know, Hasenhutl deserves a lot of credit as well for really, you know, putting the belief into these guys and, and giving them the confidence to go and do what they do best. Yeah, I mean, you, you can see that there are individuals who have clearly, clearly improved over a very short space of time. Let's not forget, he was only appointed beginning of December, so he's only been only been there what three months, mm. and um, and yeah, already he's getting a completely different tune out of, out of War Prowse. Um, obviously, Valerie's getting more game time, so he's naturally improving as a result of gaining the experience. And you've got other other players who are making strides as well. Romeo has pulled himself back, I think, because I mean, for most of last season, he was bloody awful. Yeah. And at the start of this season, um, similarly. Mm. But now, because he's more or less got a almost permanent fixture in the side alongside Hoiberg, the pair of them just seem to be seem to be much better now. Yeah. Just finally on sort of Warprouse in England, you follow and watch England a lot, Steve. Do you think mm. he's deserving of a recall for the next squad? Yeah, I don't see why not. I mean, who who are going to be the other options? Ross Barkley, really? Mm. Um, just, I mean, that guy is an absolute waste of space. Yeah. Yeah, um, and I guess even and, the, the other sort of yeah. players that he's had recently, the likes of Loftus Cheek and people like that, haven't really been getting game time. Yeah, um, yeah, Loftus Cheek's not been playing. Um, obviously, Deli Ali's been out injured and might still be injured by the time the upcoming qualifiers come around. I wouldn't say that he's a shoe in to go straight back into the squad, but there's enough slots in that team. I mean, certainly in the squad. I'd be very surprised if he's not in that squad on the. I think it's announced on the 13th. Yeah. So yeah. I'd be very disappointed if he's not in that squad. Um, whether he actually plays in either of the games, that's um, what we've got. We've got Czech Republic at home, Montenegro away. I mean, they're not easy games, but you would expect us to win, probably win both of them. Mm. Um, but it's one of those where you probably put your full strength side out, and if the game gets easy, then he might have a he might have a chance. But I wouldn't expect him to be starting either of them. That's for sure. Well, speaking of Hasenhutl and uh, the confidence he's put in the players, um, after the game he spoke to SouthamptonFC.com, where he was clearly pleased but disappointed. Well, the guys are very, very disappointed after the game. I know 
they put everything on the pitch, what was possible today, and uh, showed a fantastic performance. Mainly the first half, uh, but also in the second half, we showed uh, that uh, we are very, very focused on our match plan, and we want to get something here and that. We were not far away from that, but also after the 2-1, we didn't uh, stop uh, attacking them and and creating something for us and, and believing in ourselves. And Prozzi, fantastic free kick, that was coach's goal. And uh, yeah, it's a pity that uh, Lukaku decided the game for them. And yeah, a few crucial things, uh, scenes. I think the first was the first half. Two times you can give penalty. I think, and the second uh, goal was offside. So yeah, not, not easy to stand. Adam, we spoke last week, didn't we, about whether Hasenhutl sort of had that belief in his eye when you spoke to him and looked at him uh, in turning all this around. Football is a game of ups and downs and things can change weekly. And as we sort of said throughout this podcast today, um, probably a couple of games there, Fulham United, that have reinvigorated that belief in Ralph that they can turn this around. It really feels like that, being around them, I think, this last few days. I I have really got that feeling that they kind of believe again. Mm. Uh, We mentioned, didn't we, after Arsenal? I mean, that was such a depressing day, really, in many ways. It was very deflating. Um, It felt like such a chance, and it went with such a whimper. I mean, I guess the frustration is, I think, probably Saints know deep down, had they been able to pull out a sort of a level of performance of which they did against Man United, they certainly would have beaten Arsenal. um, Because Arsenal were nothing like the quality that Man United had yesterday. So that is slightly disappointing and unfortunate timing. And and I do hear as well the critics. I do understand people go, well, it's all very well saying that. But, look, you know, we, all we've done is be in Fulham, basically. And we've just continued losing, throwing, you know, and throwing another lead away. Mm. Um, I do I do understand that. And I do have a, a certain amount of sympathy. But the bottom line is that, to be completely blunt, the Saints are in a position where all they're looking to do now and since Harsin was appointed, is just finish fourth bottom. Yep. And that's not ambitious, and that is not if they stay up where they will be aiming next season. But this season, that has to be the aim, and that's mm. just staying in front of Cardiff, however you do it. Last year, we know, you know, I, I've, I've said before, my belief, I'm not sure Saints really earned survival particularly. Swansea handed it to them pretty mm. much. And the way things are going now, I wouldn't be entirely surprised if the same thing happens this season. Mm. Cardiff as it stands, look totally bereft now. Mm. Um, And unless they can revive themselves, they might do this year's job for Saints. Saints might not have to do all that much more from here on in because Cardiff might barely get another point. I mean, it is possible. So uh, Harsenhul's got his job is is pretty, um, pretty clear. But I mean, in terms of the belief of the players, I certainly think there is a lot more. And I think that though... They were obviously absolutely just gutted after Mm. what happened at Old Trafford. I think in the fullness of time, they will take heart from the way they performed. And again, I just re-emphasize again what a point I made earlier. I think there is a recognition that everybody knows how important it is for them just to keep their heads above water for a little bit longer. Um, And if they can do that, I think there'll be so much pressure sort of lifted off of their shoulders or their weight of pressure they'll feel um is a lot less that i think they can they can take forward a lot more confidence and that hopefully will will get them some more results just finally then adam there were seventy four thousand people at uh, manchester united yesterday about three thousand of them were saints fans very very loud or you could really hear throughout the game i know you touched on it uh, in your tweet after the game so just a quick word for you there again in terms of the atmosphere from the saints fans as ever very much behind the team 
Yeah, absolutely. It was. A, I thought it was a fantastic atmosphere. I mean, I rarely sort of comment on the fans generally because I kind of feel like, well, I'm there to comment on the players, not to comment on the supporters. Um, people pay their money; they can they can sing or not sing as much as they want. It's not for me to say, but I felt like you had to say something because the noise levels. Bearing in mind, you know how cavernous Old Trafford is and how many home fans there are in there. The noise from the Saints fans from start to finish was absolutely fantastic. And it was one of those great days where it was fans feeding players, feeding fans, if you know what I mean. Mm -hmm. It was just one of those days where kind of everybody kept lifting each other at all times. And they totally uh, outsang the United supporters from, from first to last. I thought they were, the Saints fans were just absolutely magnificent. And I know from you know speaking to to people around the, the camp that certainly the players really noticed it and could really hear it and what a positive impact it had on them as well and uh, Saints is away following as we know has always been very strong um, and very vocal and you know having seen so many empty seats at St Mary's on Wednesday night despite you know they've given you know selling tickets up to you know for for various partners and things for as little as eight pounds against Fulham and they were still struggling to to fill the stadium um for a crucial game but then you go uh away from home and you hear that kind of noise and you think well that's really must be very inspirational for the players and I certainly think that they they did really feel that and uh yeah long may it continue hopefully but the players have to give back as well um, obviously, because uh, you know, it can't just be one-sided. But I thought the, the you know the players sort of fed off of them and, and responded as well, and then the fans got even louder. Result aside, it was a it was a good day for Saints. I thought all round. Now, as mentioned in the introduction, our latest total recall takes us back to May the nineteenth, two thousand and one. Earlier this week, I caught up with Leon and Will from SaintsArchive.com, and we recalled one of the most famous games and moments in Saints' entire history. Bobby Stokes. Time for our latest Total Recall, and between the Saints Archive chaps and ourselves, we selected one of the most sentimental games in our club's history. Will and Leon are both here, and we're going to recall Saints 3, Arsenal 2, from May the 19th, 2001, the last ever league game at our beloved Dell. Will, a good choice, I think, between all of us, so uh, just in an introductory form, what's your uh, memories of, of this one? One that will live in the memory, certainly. Yeah, yeah, certainly. And obviously, I think at the time, the city was quite buzzing with uh, a new future ahead of us with St. Mary's Stadium. The many memories that the Dell gave us. Um, unfortunately, I didn't attend this last game, but uh, I was I was working at the time. And I do remember pretty much the customers coming into the uh, shop I was working at, really feeling the mood in the city come, uh, leading up to the game. Um, bit of a mixed bag, because obviously being Arsenal, we thought, Maybe we wouldn't get a result, possibly because, you know, it's Arsenal. And the, they had the likes of Thierry Henry and Ashley Cole and a really good squad at the time. But um, I really felt the end of an era is what you always would do. And um, I was looking, actually, for a friend of mine who actually did attend the game for a souvenir, see if he'd nick me a seat or something. I mean, I was kind of hoping for that. But um, it was a shame. 
that we had, you know, they had to let go in the end. But I think there's a part of the footage where Alan Hansen hit the nail right on the head. And he said, if you want to compete, you have to have more than 15,000 capacity. Yep. And so possibly led on to many, many other things, I think, moving away from the Dell, making us more attractive when we went into administration, uh, allowing for the Libras to, to purchase us. I don't think they would have done that if we had the Dell still. And uh, I think if we had gone administration with the Dell, we would have been stuffed. Yeah, for all the right reasons, I think if you had to write a fairy tale script, it, that game was it. It was perfect. I have to say I was privileged enough to have a season ticket that season uh, for the last few years of the Dell before we went to Samari, so I was lucky enough to be at this game. Uh, how about you, Leon? Two questions. Were you at the game? And then just uh, your memories of the Dell as well, really? Yeah, I was at the game that day, May the 19th, my daughter's birthday that day <laughs> as well. So that was, that's a good omen. Yeah. <laughs> um, I was sat right in the centre of Milton Road. Yeah. Um, that was supposed to be for that fantastic, memorable goal from the one and only. Moving on to the game then, so the attendance was 15,252, which I thought was quite interesting, Will, because when I looked at uh, all of the stats uh, about the capacity of the Dow, it told me that the capacity of the Dow was only 15,200, so somehow 52 other people, I think, managed to uh, cram their way into the Dow that day. I think it literally reiterates that everyone was uh, packed in for the game, but um, running through the uh, the teams then, Leon, who was in the Saints team that day? Well, Ben, quite an attacking-minded lineup that day, Paul Jones in goal. We had a back four um, making a rare appearance, Gary Monk, now at Birmingham with James Beattie, Klaus Lundebamp, Dean Richards, rest in peace, obviously, mm. uh, Wayne Bridge, Joe Tessum, Chris Marsden, Hassan Kachul, Marianne Pahars, Kevin Davies and James Beattie. Still not a bad side, that, is it? It's a good side, actually, yeah. Good attacking minded lineup, but we must also mention the substitutes that day, of course, of course Ben. Um, <laughs> the, the, um, the goalkeeper was Neil Moss. Mark Draper, Francis Benali, and, of course, Matthew Letizia. There we go. How could we possibly forget? And, uh, yeah, the Arsenal side, even on paper, where I was looking at this when I was doing my notes the other day, as you read it out, I think I'm probably still going to be quite nervous ahead of it. Again, a talented team. I seem to always end up on these recalls with the away squad. And um, <laughs> I try to mix I'm... it up. I genuinely try to mix it up, I promise. In the team, I mean, Alex Manninger in goal. Uh, Defence, the great Tony Adams, Martin Keogh, fierce bloke he is, uh, Giles Grimondi, Ashley Cole, I believe she's still playing with Derby County now. Mm. Uh, Freddie Youngberg, brilliant player. Ray Parler, Robert Perez, Patrick Vieira. And up front, uh, Dennis Bergkamp, quality international player. And legendary Thierry Henry. Uh, like Leon's done, uh, substitutes. 34th minute, Kanu came off for Dennis Bergkamp. Edu came off for Freddie Youngberg and Matthew Upson for Robert Perez. So even the bench was pretty good. I know, I know. Robert Perez always scored against us, didn't he? He was just one of those players. But uh, yeah, as you say, a very, very talented side. But uh, there we go. So moving on to the game then. The referee uh, was Paul Taylor. And uh, the first 30 minutes were fairly quiet, actually, on the pitch before Ashley Cole put the Gunners ahead. And that's how it stayed until half time. Saints surely didn't want to go out with a whimper, though. And thankfully, one minute into the second half, this happened. Grimondi. He charged out. Here's Castle. Oh, well taken. His first Premiership goal for eight months. Stemming from the error by Gilles Grimondi. A lazy attempt at a clearance. And first time coolly executed by the Moroccan. An important goal for Saints there, Leon, to uh, kickstart the half. Yes, from Hassan Kachul. And after the goal, he made that salute where he stood to attention and put his arm up to his head. So fantastic. 
It was a good finish indeed, and uh, sadly it didn't last too long as ever with Saints, unfortunately, because uh, Freddie Jungberg went down the other end and uh, swiftly put them into a, a 2-1 lead. There was still over half an hour to go, though, so plenty of time for Saints to get back into it, and that's just what they did. Southampton with only one win so far under Stuart Gray. That was, though, against Manchester United. Here's Gary Monk. In by Davis. Beatty going up for it. Keepers lost it. The goalkeeper, though surely culpable, put off by the presence of beating. And Cash Lull, who could well be leaving the Dell on a free transfer, makes it 2 2. Hassan Kachlul there, Will, as uh, Leon just mentioned, played just short of 100 games for Saints, the Moroccan, between 98 and uh, 2001. Your memories of him? Yeah, good player, but I don't know if anyone else kind of feels like it, but although he played between 98 and uh, 01, it always felt short a period. I mean, I know he left on a free transfer to Villa, which mm. my memory leaves me on this one, but looking back, I can't understand why, because he was obviously that season still a talent. He'd scored two goals just before this game, same season against Derby County in a 2-2 draw. Quality player. Um, I don't know if you guys, if, was there a shortage of money maybe I, at the time? I, do you know, I, I seem to remember that he left in a bit of a cloud because I think he went for the money and I may be totally wrong and if he's listening to this I apologise but I'm pretty sure that Saints fans fell out with him and I think that's why there was a few boos when he returned because I'm pretty sure he left on a free because obviously he could get his Bosman moved to Villa and earn himself a few quid. Okay. He, he was he was on the go to originally going to go to Ipswich. Mm. Um, they made him a fantastic offer. He said yes to the offer and then Aston Villa come along with a higher offer. There you so, go. there we go. Tells the story. Yeah, footballer and taking more money, shocker. But there we go. So, uh, <laughs> uh, there we go. But it was 2-1 heading towards injury time. Then, of course, the last minute came along. The magical moment happened. Just a minute to play. Plus stoppage time. Here's Letizia! Who better to say farewell? And one of the finest players ever to wear the red and white. He's lifted the roof on the old place. Absolutely perfect. What a way to end life at the Dow, Leon. Oh, you couldn't write the story, could you? As I said, I was in the Milton Road end, right in the centre, halfway up. And as Matt swiveled on the ball and went in the top left-hand corner, it was just absolutely unbelievable you, um, you could write the story could you really although Chris Marsden tried to ruin it didn't he by having a, a shot that Meninga thankfully tipped over the bar in about the uh, 93rd minute or something exactly that's right yeah I remember that too and as the ball went over the bar I saw Matthew look over to Chris and they both laughed at each other <laughs> I know and I've got to say Will having uh, watched the highlights a few times this week again whilst doing the notes and making sure we got everything uh, in the right place despite however many times you watch that goal of the Tizier score and it still gives me goosebumps yeah, I've got the same. I'm getting them now just by listening to you guys talking about <laughs> I watched it again just before the recording this evening. Watched it all through this week. I, I think I posted it several times in the archive as well. A guy that stood up for a generation, uh, particularly our generation of football supporters, um, you know, who didn't really have major stars in the team, but one stood out, Matt, that is. Mm. And if you're going to leave our, you know, our spiritual home and move on to other things, who bet the sign, seal and deliver, you know, our way out of the Dell and on to bigger and better things. And, it was his goal. It was made for him. The script was written for him. It was fantastic. Yeah, and his left foot as well. I mean, you know, I know it was Matt Letizia, but it could still have gone anywhere, really, couldn't it? Yeah, yeah. I mean, particularly with um, Milton Road in, with the slant that sort of stands there. It could have, mm. If you caught it wrong, it could have been a bad way to leave the uh, leave the Del by slicing it somewhere. But 
it was always going to be Letiz scoring that goal. And I think, was it Stuart Gray brought him on for a bit of sentiment, didn't he? That's yeah. right. Yeah, I think he'd, he'd said to him he was always going to give him at least 20 minutes or something like that. That's right. Yeah, well, it was, it was bloody good that he did, to be fair. And um, the, the whole team as a whole played their part in having a really good send-off for the place. I know they played Brighton, I believe, a little later on in the week uh, in a sort of friendly match with an old-style kit and everything. But mm. hey, this was the last game because it was competitive against Arsenal. Proper send-off. You know, life passes you by, doesn't it? I think football is one of those games that you don't enjoy the good moments when they do come along. And I think whenever I watch this goal back, I just sort of think it's hard to think it was nearly 20 years ago. And I think it's one of those ones that as a fan, you just wish you could be there and relive it. But uh, there we go. Um, after the game, uh, Letizia himself and Stuart Gray gave their thoughts on what had just happened. Well, we've got another couple of friendlies here during the week, so um, we'll be able to give it a proper send-off this week. But it's um, a very emotional day today, yeah, definitely. And Matt's had his problems with injuries and fitness. Uh, but there again, Matt's just scored a goal today just to add to his collection of, of many special goals. Will this be a memorable day for you? Yes. Um, a bit of a sad occasion leaving the Dell, but, but at least we're going for the right reasons, a positive step, moving to new stadium. But again, I can't thank the supporters enough today. It's like having a 12th man on the pitch. So hopefully we can take that atmosphere to the new stadium. Leon, I know you like your Saints managers. Um, Stuart Gray, he was, um, he was one of those guys that was a fantastic coach, but when he sort of got the top job, the, the pressure maybe was a little bit too much. Absolutely, Ben. Um, he, he did struggle, really, uh, when he came in. Was he really made to be a manager at the time? His record wasn't great in the last few games at Dale, let's, let's admit that. Um, I think he only got the job, really, because of the, the win against Manchester United and the, the win against Arsenal, really. Well, there we go. I have to say, I think, and I'm sure Leon will agree, an absolute privilege to have been there and to enjoy this game. Hopefully, it'll uh, bring back some memories for you listening. It was unlike Saints, actually, because they finished in a comfortable league position as well, up in 10th, having played 38, won 14, drawn 10, lost 14, and ended up with 52 points. So the mid-table obscurity that would definitely take these days, I think. That's been Total Recall. Thanks as ever to Leon and Will for joining us. Don't forget, you can find out all of the information around the Saints Archive at saintsarchive.com or by looking up their site on Facebook. Until the next time, that's been Southampton 3, Arsenal 2, May the 19th, 2001. Sponsored by happyhottubs.co.uk Next up for Saints are Spurs, who have an excellent record down at St Mary's. The one positive, I guess, about that, hopefully, Steve, is that Spurs have looked a little bit down and a little bit sort of uh, lackadaisical the last couple of weeks, so maybe we're getting them at a good time. Yeah, possibly. I mean, somehow their their run of form is still such that they're obviously still comfortably in third place, kept themselves ahead of uh, the chasing pack in terms of Champions League spots with that draw against Arsenal yesterday, but they've not been particularly impressive over the last probably six to eight weeks, really. Yeah. They've, they've had a lot of games where they've been deeply unimpressive, but they've got individual players who can just dig you out of a hole. Mm. So Harry Kane's now back from injury, so he's he's an obvious um, example. Sun Hyun Ming, once he came back from the um, Asian Cup, basically just slotted in and won them three games in, in the space of a week in the last ten minutes. Yeah. And you kind of think, well, given all the luck they've had in these games and also going back pretty much all the games we've played against them since we came came back up into the Premier League, with the notable exception of the game we won at White Hart Lane, 
maybe we're due a bit of luck to go our way against them. Make a very nice change. <laughs> Indeed it would. What have you made of Spurs this season, Adam? Yeah, like you said, they seem to have gone off the boil, don't they? Mm. Um, I wonder if, a bit like, you know, the Pochettino, when he was at Saints, Spurs sort of job came into focus um, and they became sort of increasingly clear that he was sort of agitating to go somewhere that summer. I think it's easy to, to take your eye off the ball and I wonder if the Man United links and, and, and all these reports that he is, again, looking, you know, now to move on potentially has maybe just unsettled them a little at an important time. I think for all the talk of they weren't far off the title uh, race, let's be honest, they, they were never going to win the title this year. No. Um, and even when they were, you know, a few weeks ago when they were a lot closer to, to City and Liverpool, I don't think it, even they would have really have had any real hope that, or expectation that they would win the title. Yeah, it's all just fallen a little bit flat there. I don't know. It does remind me a little bit of that period at Saints where you kind of feel like you've got this big charismatic manager. A lot of the players that are at the club, if we remember back to Saints and we had your Lalanas of the world and people like that, they're kind of probably only going to stay as long as Pochettino's there. And if he goes, they're likely to probably depart as well. There's that same feeling at Tottenham with their players. It's kind of like he's the man who keeps them all there. And if he goes what next um and obviously all the the mucking about over the stadium this season i don't think has helped the one job either yeah uh, so i just feel it probably is a good time to play them um they're obviously still a bit like man united yeah it wasn't a bad time to play them either really uh, otherwise they're in good form but Mm. obviously they had a lot a significant number of injuries but they're still chocked full of quality but that's what you're always going to get when you play a top six team they've got squads uh deep squads and they've got a lot of quality but i i just feel yeah there's there's a chance there i'm not i'm not saying that saints are going to go out and blitz tottenham or that i think that they they're going to run out comfortable winners but i wouldn't be entirely surprised if they gave them a really good game and got something out of it i, I don't think that would be absolutely a stunning result beyond all belief given the way they performed at um old trafford at the weekend the thing, as I said, Steve, is that um, you know their record against us uh, in the Premier League is very good. They generally always had the upper hand over us. So whilst it could be a good time to get them, I suppose it's going to be a slightly different home game to what we've had maybe since Manchester City at Christmas time because they will be a team that will come to St Mary's and attack us. Yeah, and I guess that may play into our hands slightly because we can go out with a similar, um, similar system as we did yesterday at Old Trafford. Spurs will dominate most of the possession, you would think. Um, they're good in possession and they and they move it move it in dangerous areas. But if we're smart and we're organised, and most importantly, when we get the ball, we don't just present it straight back to them. Yeah. Which I think was the biggest problem in that game against City um, just after Christmas was that yeah we were we were defending deep and defending. Um, we looked really organised and we were breaking down all the moves before they were getting up to the penalty area. But then as soon as we won the ball back, we then rushed it and we couldn't string two or three passes together. We we were just presenting it straight back to them and we were, by that time we were just knackered. Mm. Um, so as long as we don't fall into that trap again, and I mean Spurs aren't Man City, their possession game isn't anywhere near as sort of intricate as theirs. Spurs are a lot more direct. So I think that gives you a little bit more predictability, I guess. So yeah, I mean, I, th- I think we've got a chance. I mean, as Adam said, you wouldn't say it's one that we should be looking at getting points from, but 
I don't think anybody would be particularly surprised if we got a result no. based on based on recent performances. And I suppose with nine games to go, Adam, now it's uh, every game counts as we sort of said it is that stereotypical cup final. I'm assuming he seems to have stumbled on something, doesn't he, with the the Fulham and uh, obviously he kept the same team for United. I, I I suppose we're hoping Danny Ings might be fit and that might be a different option for him up top. But I, I guess if I was manager, I'd be thinking, look, this is a team that now knows their roles. This this eleven, they've worked together for a couple of games. They've clearly played well, certainly in the Manchester. United game picked up the three points in the Fulham so I wouldn't necessarily be looking to change it overly no I wouldn't either and I also think um, given the Fulham result given the performance of Man United there is so little to be said for you know when you look at the risk reward sort of ratio if you like with bringing Ings back Mm. he's been brought back twice now by two different managers both times it's proved to be a mistake uh, because he's got injured very quickly again afterwards they're obviously still in trouble, but they're not in like absolute dire straits at this exact moment in time. Mm. Um, there's still a lot of the season left to play. And once you get past Tottenham, they've got three weeks without a game. Yeah. Why would you, it, it, if there's any, even like, even if you're only ni- you're 95% sure that Ings is okay, mm. why would you bring him back until you're 100%? Because three more weeks, there's no doubt he will be absolutely fit to go and hopefully you will then keep him fit yeah. with any luck for the rest of the season. Um, given the way the team is playing, I can see, unless you're totally confident, no argument whatsoever for bringing him back, I would keep him at working at Staplewood you know, for the next you know, four weeks and have him hopefully totally fit and ready to go mm. for the rest of the running when everybody else comes back. Um, because the thing is, they, they haven't been relying on the strikers at this point in time for goals. And actually, in all fairness, you know, bless him, Charlie Austin has, <laughs> has really, you know, in the two one-hour slots that he's played, which I think Harsen Hooter has decided is about the maximum he can have him on for, he's actually put in a real shift. Um, and at Man United... All right, it's hard for him to have a, a huge impact, but he still played well. He still dropped and tried to link up the play. He was still chased as, as hard as he, you know, as he physically can. And so I, I, I don't really see why you would change things massively for Tottenham. Like you said, he's got a, he, he did the right thing. I think kept a kept a winning team for Man United. They've gone out. Yes, they haven't won, but they've they've really played superbly. Don't change it. They've obviously got a bit of confidence, a bit of belief, understanding, small amount of momentum. Stick with them. I, I would totally stick with them for this weekend. You don't change the team after a must-win win, Adam. But um, <laughs> I was just going to say, just talk briefly on Charlie Austin as well. I noticed that Burnley, and I, I was looking at the photos from uh, the Man United game as well. I mean, he does seem to have shifted a bit of timber since Christmas as well. So he, I, to be fair to him, he you know, probably would admit he looked a bit overweight beforehand, but he certainly looks a bit leaner and a bit sharper now. Well, what you can say for for Charlie Austin is that you feel like in the long term probably everybody even he probably knows he's not going to be a Harsen Hootle type player is he let's be honest he's just mm. not going to fit into that system but he is giving it a go he's obviously said to himself I'm going to try and it's probably unlikely that ultimately I'm going to succeed in convincing this guy that you know in this formation he wants to play in this style he wants to play that I'm the right guy I am going to give it a, a really good crack. Mm. Uh, tr- I'm going to do what I can to be the player he wants me to try and be. And really, what more can you ask? If you're, if you're naturally, your attributes are not 
the ones that the manager is looking for, your attributes are slightly different, then that is just the way it is. It's doesn't, that's not a reflection on on you per se. That's just the player that you are. And you've been bought in by a different manager who signed you because he wanted those attributes that you've got. And he was more interested in those than the ones that Harson Hoot was interested in. That is just football, isn't it? But mm. in fairness to Austin, he looks like he is rolling up his sleeves and, and giving it a go. And that's pro- that's really as much as you can ask of, of any of the players, really, isn't it? Is to, to give it their all and, and see where it gets you. Yeah, indeed. Just finally then, Steve, before we do our predictions, would you change anything for Spurs from a Saints point of view? Uh, no, I don't think so. No. Um, ultimately, I think the, the combination we've got in there at the moment is working pretty effectively. I mean, I guess there's a question of whether you can squeeze Armstrong in if he was showing better form but he's he's not at the moment which is a which is a slight concern mm. um, I mean no idea what the hell's happening with Mario Lamina no. um, keep seeing social media posts of him working hard and like showing old uh, photos from earlier in the season saying want to get back to this and yada 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 but it's like well where are you <laughs> um, what's uh, no idea genuinely no idea what's happening with that and no. I mean, he's been wildly inconsistent, but I think we could still use him. Mm. There we go, then. Let's have some predictions. Adam, as ever, <clears throat> you can go first. Uh, one all. <laughs> You're what? so predictable. You're so predictable. What? I almost, you know, almost had that written down, to be honest with you. So, uh... Hey, have you uh, ruled yet on whether I'm going to get a bonus no, point? No, you're not going to get prediction. a bonus point. Well, tell everyone what your prediction was for the Manchester United game. It was 3-1 to Man United. Right, and tell us what the score was. It was 3-2. Well, there you go, then. There's no point there, is there? You, but, got, you got one point for saying it was a defeat, as did Stephen I. We all had a defeat, but I was the only one who had Saints uh, scoring and being competitive, which they were. So mm. I don't, I'm not claiming the three points, but I think it's worth a bonus point. Yeah, well, I've checked the uh, rule 7.133333, and uh, it just says that uh, you're, you're not uh, warranted any points for that because you got the score wrong. You are the Stuart Atwell of TSP. If anyone wants a uh, score update on the uh, league, just as we're doing it, Steve is way out in front on 20 points after his two recent uh, spot-on predictions. Adam and I are uh, bringing up the rear on 14 points each, which is another reason why you're not getting a point, Adam. Right, Steve. I'd like to think we'll get something from it, but I just kind of fear another another game like yesterday, so I'm going to go for a 2-1 Spurs win. So that's what I had written down here, so that's scuppered me now, hasn't it? So, Sorry. Uh, that's fine. Um... <laughs> Right, I'm going to be, obviously I don't want to put the curse on it anyway, so uh, bearing in mind you've just taken my 2-1 Steve, I'm going to push it out slightly further and go for 3-1 Spurs. And you're calling me predictable. Thanks for listening to this week's Total Saints podcast. If you like the pod and want to help support its longevity, then why not become a TSP, TSP, a Total Saints podcast, Total Saints patron via Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash Total Saints pod. The support is always welcomed and appreciated. Thanks again to Will and Leon from Saints Archive and as always to Adam and Steve. We'll be back again next week post Spurs. Until then, keep marching in.
Sport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure. 24 7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See McDonald's.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the Talk Sport Fan Network. Talk Sport. Powered by fans.